This is Bigger Pockets Daily, real estate investing education for your earballs. The following article was first published on biggerpockets.com/blog. We'll link to it in the show description, but you can see the photos, comments, and related articles. Okay, almost time for the show. We'll get right into it after this quick break. You're trying to close on your next rental, so why is your insurance company dragging its feet? With long lead times and never-ending paper forms, it's no wonder it takes forever to finally get a policy. Modern investors deserve better. They deserve Steadily.com. At Steadily.com, you'll get fast, affordable landlord insurance available online 24-7 in just a few clicks. You can even get next-day coverage, which takes just minutes, by the way, to obtain. And you can do it all from your phone. Steadily was founded by landlords who created insurance products tailored to the unique needs of this industry. It's their sole focus, and that's why landlords nationwide consistently rate them 4.8 out of 5 stars. So whether you've got a single family, short-term, or multifamily portfolio, Steadily.com can secure the best coverage at the best price to protect your properties. Discover how Steadily can save you both time and money on your rental property insurance. Visit Steadily.com for a commitment-free quote tailored to your needs today. The dream of owning a vacation home can be daunting. From finding the best guests, to the maintenance, to organizing the cleaners after every guest day. With Vacasa, they make that dream into a reality. As a full-service vacation home management company with vacation homes in key destinations across the U.S., they know a thing about how to make owning a vacation home easy and profitable. On top of proactive property maintenance visits by professional local teams, a hospitality-driven booking platform, and around-the-clock support, Vacasa earns homeowners an average of 20% more revenue from their vacation homes. Vacasa is always thinking of ways to simplify the vacation home owning experience by putting your home to work for you. If you're looking to make more from your vacation home, work with the reliable property manager, and finally have peace of mind, partner with Vacasa at vacasa.com biggerpockets. That's vacasa.com biggerpockets. Is student housing right for you? We've answered your most common questions by Ryan Shaw. I can't make the numbers work. My housing market is too expensive. If you've ever found yourself saying one of these statements to yourself, or your significant other who's been telling you to put your money where your mouth is, or stop talking about it and just do it, you should take a look at some of the high-level strategies I use to solve this common issue for many new investors. I live in California, where there's a housing shortage, and single-family homes are going for $500-plus-thousand-dollars. Many properties in the San Francisco Bay Area are above a million bucks. But there's a model that you can use that will give you high cash-flowing rentals, even in an expensive market if you do it right. I'm talking about the rent-by-room student housing market. By investing in local college towns, you can, in most cases, double the usual rental income on a property. For example, one of my properties makes $3,110 per month in rental income. But per rentometer, the house should only rent out for an average of $1,530 per month. Before you get started, there are a few key items you should focus on to create your own student housing system. Buying the right property in the right location, finding high-quality tenants, having a system for managing the house and its tenants. I've already covered finding the right property and right location in my previous podcast, but listen on for the other two keys. Finding quality tenants. Figure out where your target tenant hangs out. For college students, you can use campus bulletin boards, Craigslist, or Facebook groups. 
you want to create an ad that highlights the benefits of staying in one of your bedrooms from a student's perspective. Close proximity to campus, fully furnished rooms, a secured neighborhood, and plenty of parking are things that students value highly. So I try to provide all of these benefits at my rentals. For example, something as simple as installing a garage spotlight or camera will give the students and their parents peace of mind when deciding to stay at your house. As far as touring the house, you can have your previous year's tenants do the showings for the new incoming tenants. Sometimes students are okay with just getting a video walkthrough or photos of the house before signing a lease. About half of the students who sign a lease with me don't need an in-person tour. Once I explain that tours are limited, but we have plenty of pictures and video walkthroughs. Leasing for individual tenants. I do an individual lease for each tenant. However, I recommend you check with your city planning division first to see if rent by room is legal in your city. In my city, rent by room is allowed as long as you register a business license with the city and pay the city tax on that license. Generally, the lease will be very similar to a whole house lease, except that you're charging only for a bedroom and utility bills are split evenly among all tenants. If a tenant leaves a little early, the landlord may need to cover that tenant's part of the utility bill for that month. Luckily, this can be deducted from your taxes because it would be considered a business expense. I structure all my leases as one-year leases, starting mid-August of the current year, when school starts, to mid-August of the following year. The students are allowed to sublease during the summer school months and whenever they aren't living there. Before subletting, the other tenants must approve of the chosen subletter. There are a few key differences between a normal lease and a rent-by-the-room lease that I'm upfront about. If any house or furniture damage occurs in a common area, I make it clear that I will take the repair cost out equally from all tenants' security deposits unless everyone agrees that only one tenant was at fault. There are no house parties allowed. Each tenant has a right to a quiet enjoyment of the premises. It's up to tenants to resolve issues and conflicts through open discussion. I don't allow pets. Pets, unfortunately, pose an allergy risk to the other tenants at the residence, current and future. If a tenant insists on having a pet, they must get a signed written agreement from every other tenant stating that they are aware a pet will be at the house and are okay with it and won't hold the landlord liable if an allergic reaction were to occur with either of them or one of their guests. Whenever possible, I try to have a parent co-sign the lease. The only time I don't require a co-signer is when the student has significant financial aid or loans to cover both tuition and housing. Dealing with tenant conflicts. Two words, tenant empowerment. Whenever there's a dispute between two tenants, I tell the complaining tenant that they first need to talk with the other party face-to-face and develop an actionable plan. Then, implement that action plan. If there's still a conflict after that, then they can come back to me. But nine times out of ten, I never hear back from the complainer. Either the issue gets resolved, or they've learned to coexist despite the issue. If the face-to-face conversation and action plan don't work, then I give one of the parents who co-signed the lease a quick call, talk to them about the complaint, and ask them to help us correct it. After that, I've never had any more issues. Though they are a last resort, the parent is usually an authority figure who can resolve the situation. Renting to couples. I love renting to couples because I'm able to charge higher rent overall for the shared bedroom. (laughs) 
My rule of thumb is to increase the rent by 30% for the bedroom, then divide by two to get their per tenant rent. For example, if I would normally charge $670 for the bedroom, I would instead charge around $870, 670 times 1.3. So each person would pay $435 per month, 870 divided by two. I then receive $200 more in rent per month, which is $2,400 per year, enough to replace a broken water heater or cover an unexpected repair. Whatever you end up doing, you'll need to maintain a 3-to-1 person-to-bedroom ratio. The max number of people you'd want to share a bedroom is 3. After that, it gets a little crowded. Keep in mind that if you bring in a couple, you do run the risk of them breaking up. In that case, the lease may need to be renegotiated or one of the partners may need to move out. But, generally speaking, you shouldn't have issues with rent payments because most students will still uphold their agreements, regardless of relationship status. Though, if necessary, this is where the ability to sublet can also come in handy. How much can you make with student housing? Here's the real reason I invest in student housing. It's a win-win situation for everyone. First, students get much cheaper housing than on-campus housing, about half of the price. And as a landlord, you're able to double the total rental income on the property. Even better, everyone is on a minimum one-year lease, so you don't have to worry about turnover and cleanup every few days like with short-term rental properties. Here's the brutal, no BS breakdown of my cash flow on a few properties. Fulton Street House. This was the very first house that I purchased. I added a fourth bedroom and reinvested the cash flow and some W-2 income to pay it off fully in a few years. I purchased it in 2016 for $262,000. During that time, my interest rate for investment property was 3.625% with origination fees and charges of $1,125. I chose to pay it off early to boost my cash flow on the property and didn't over-leverage myself. Generally, I would recommend leveraging your cash as far as possible when you're just getting started. Then, after you have a few rentals under your belt, start paying some of them off so you're in a stronger position if a housing crash were to occur. If you want to take a deep dive on all these numbers, you can find this article at biggerpockets.com. But here are some of the totals. Appreciation since purchase is $130,000 over five years, or $26,000 per year, $2,166.67 per month. By the way, the rentometer says I should be getting $1,555 per month. My actual rental income is $2,420 total, and my current cash flow, just a tick under $1,800 per month. West Churchill House. Here is the most recent rental I purchased, my fifth rental. I closed on it May 28, 2021, and by the time I closed, I already had leases signed for all five bedrooms for August 2021 to August 2022. Total rent, $3,440 for this one rental. Estimated rental income per rentometer, $1,537. Actual rental income, like I said, $3,440. My cash flow after the first year, $3,440. Minus $1,596 minus $400 per month in estimated expenses, $1,444 per month. The difference between the estimated rentometer house for the whole house in rent 
and actual rental income using the per-bedroom system? $1,903 per month. Using the per-bedroom system, I was able to turn what would have been a negative cash-flowing property into a very positive cash-flowing property. Okay, pretty good stuff, right? Thanks for taking time to listen to this article. Now remember, the Bigger Pockets calculators are powerful tools to help you make sound investing decisions. You can get five free reports at biggerpockets.com slash calc. And pro members get unlimited use. I'll see you back here in 24 hours or less.